950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Rick Smith is the host of the Rick Smith Show. It's on 8 to 10 o'clock here locally in Minneapolis-St. Paul. He's kind enough today to join us to talk all things Democrat and uh, the union issues as well. Rick, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, what town are you in, 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 in right now? I mean, we were, having, we were trying to figure out which one you're in. Uh, right now, I'm in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, okay. uh, home of the Army War College. We, we, love, we love war here. <laughs> Well, as an army guy, who doesn't? But you know, <laughs> it's, it's, but you know, it, 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 is it a nice day? Are, are you you're having good fall weather out there? It's a beautiful day. We just uh, we just got back from taking the bikes out on the road and uh, mm-hmm. uh, came back specifically to to sit down and and then fight the good fight. Well, I'm glad to have you with us here. I, I got to bring up something here. Now, this is a little bit an issue for us here in Minnesota. Dean Phillips, he's the Minnesota three rep. He is my rep, actually, in my house. Uh, he is, of course, uh, a Democrat who's been basically making waves that he is thinking about running against Joe Biden because Joe Biden, he says, is too old. Um, it, it's unclear whether he's not is going to do this. He, he's missed the deadline to file in Nevada if he wants to, but he st- says he's still working with the guys in New Hampshire. Whatever the case may be, the first thing I said is to win the Democratic nod, you need the union support. And I just do not see Joe Biden losing the union support. Am I wrong nope. on this? What What is your thoughts on oh, that? Uh, no, absolutely not. Look, uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm a union guy. Uh, I vote on union issues, uh, the bread and butter economic stuff that, that's important to me and my family, and have been voting that way my entire voting life. Uh, I remember as a kid, Jimmy Carter was going to undo Taft-Hartley. That was part of something he ran on. Uh, didn't do it. Bill Clinton was going to get a strike replacement. Uh, Bob Dole filibustered it. We never heard from it again. I shook Barack Obama's hand twice, and he told me, Rick, we're going to get something better than the Employee Free Choice Act. We got bupkis. For too long, Democrats have been talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Biden talking the talk and found Obama's comfortable shoes and walking the walk because he actually first president in history to walk a picket line. There's no way he uses, he loses the union vote. Well, and talk about that, because that is, I mean, I know a lot of union guys who said the same thing. That was, you know, if there was doubts on whether they were supporting Joe Biden for a second term, those ended at that moment, because that's the first time that's ever happened as a president walking a picket line with the workers. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Obama, candidate Obama said, you know, comfortable shoes, going to get out there and, and walk the lines. Uh, if you remember what, what went on in Wisconsin, you didn't hear a peep out of him. You didn't hear a peep out of him on any of the, the labor things that went on during his time. Uh, nothing. Uh, and, and look, I, I get you're, you're president and you're, you, you've got other things going on. Okay, fine. Uh, Biden has made this part of how you're going to reunite this country. And I've been saying for a long time, Matt, if you want to reunite this country, you got to reunionize it. Yes. you got to get into the workplaces and bring people together. Because, look, we're tearing each other apart at work and at home. So in my view, you bring people back together in the workplace, you organize them, you get them fighting for the right things, wages, hours, conditions, opportunities, the future. That's good stuff. You get them away from fighting over the divisive stuff. Who, you know, the transgender issue, any of the LGBT stuff. You know, look. Thirty years ago in my workplace, we dealt with the, with the transgender issue. Thirty years ago. 
Uh, we'll call him Ross. Ross went away, came back as Rosie. Do you know who cared? Anyone? Nobody. Exactly. Nobody cared. Rosie did her job. Rosie went home, led her life. Nobody cared. The only thing that the union had to do was go, where's Rosie going to go to the bathroom? Because we don't have any women working here. Because at the time, the freight industry had no women really in, in the freight industry. They're a couple, but not in our terminal. So you just had to figure out, okay, where, where is she going to go now? Nobody cared. Now it's, it's what's ripping us apart. It's the end of humanity. And I'm telling you, if we can get back to organizing on the right stuff, mm-hmm. wages, hours, conditions, opportunities, I think we can reunite this country. And I think Joe Biden thinks that way as well. Well, and okay, so we had the writer strike. Thank God that's got resolved. Still working on the actors. But with SAG AFTRA, I want to go, I want to look at UAW here because you just brought up a good point. You can unite this country because it, it, the reminder that everyone needs is back under the Obama administration. The auto industry came hat in hand to the American people, came to the unions, say, we're going to die if you don't help us. We're all in this together. And here we are a decade and a half later, and they're basically like, we're not – now that they're making a ton of money, we're not going to help the unions. I think that dichotomy, that that just blatant display of greed and selfishness by the the auto industry itself – that when they needed help, it was everyone's problem. But when it's time to pay the workers who have been by their side, then they're stiff-arming them. I, I think that that is a great you know, example of just going to the people. This is why we need the unions right here. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing. And this is why Democrats are, have, have been taking it on the chin with, with, uh, with the working class. Because uh, you go back to the Obama years when, when they <laughs> – when, when they, you know, struck this deal to save the auto companies, it came with a lot of concessions by the working people. Now, understand, Republicans lost their minds yeah, because it was a controlled bankruptcy and the workers didn't lose their pensions. The right was crazy that the workers didn't lose their pensions. You know, which The first time in history that a company's gone belly up and the workers didn't get completely... You got a beep button? <laughs> Beeped over. Is, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but you know, this is this is what this is what where we are. And look, you know, Stephen Ratner, the the car czar from that era, you may you may remember, um, he just came out and said, uh, if they had more time, they could have they could have gotten more concessions out of the workers. They could have gotten the workers to give up more had they more time. And you go, how much more did they have to give up? Because, you know, look, I've been walking the picket line with these folks. I adopt a striker, which is something we've been calling for on our program. You find a picket line in your neighborhood, adopt a striker. Get out there, walk with them for a day, bring some, some water, you know, a pizza, a couple of bucks for the, 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 the strike fund. But get out there and, and, and make the strike lines bigger. Because I always say the bigger the, the picket line, the shorter the strike. But, you know, in talking to these people, you know, they took, to heart all of that stuff that came out of the pandemic. Essential, frontline workers, heroes, they took all that stuff to heart. And now they're saying, hey, how about we get back some of the stuff that you stole from us? How about we get back some of the the wages, some of the benefits, the cost of living adjustment? How about we start talking about that? And here's the big part, a just transition into the future. And I think, you know, what happened at, uh, at, at, at GM is enormous. And the fact that they are going to put the battery plants under the master agreement, which means the future jobs are going to be good union, uh, good UAW jobs. That's, that's huge. 
The and, and that is, by the way, that is a massive deal considering how big batteries are going to be empowering cars in the future. That is massive. Uh, Rick Smith joining us right now. The Rick Smith Show, once again, 8 to 10 o'clock at night right here on AM 950. Governor Walls, I mean, talk about a change in mentality. There was always a lot of Democrats, DFLers in the state of Minnesota who sat there and said, we're pro-union and stuff, but outside of maybe some House reps, some, some local House reps, some local senators, you didn't really see a lot of people walking the line. Governor Walls was on the, uh, joined the UAW picketing in Plymouth, Minnesota on Wednesday saying, we've got your back. We've got the governor of Minnesota out there on the line with the workers. I love your, your Adopt-A-Striker a program, by the way. That's a fantastic idea. It, it, this is everywhere, and this is a – people think that a lot of times they think the UAW, they're thinking Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania. The reality is there's UAW workers pretty much everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing, and, and what your governor understands is what, what small business across the country understands, which is why this strike gets such high marks – from the public. I think the last poll I saw was like 80% of the public approves of these people being on strike and, and sides with them in this, in this, in this strike. Uh, what they understand is those wages that those workers earn in those communities props everybody up. It's, it's that rising tide lifting all boats. And look, I tell the story all the time as a kid who grew up in a housing project on the west side of Cleveland. You know, when the neighbor got a union job at Ford, when he got that UAW job, their lives got better yep. immediately. They had food at the end of the month. The kids got better clothes, you know, a secondhand bike. They eventually bought a secondhand car. And within six, eight months, they moved out of the projects altogether. Their lives got immeasurably better because of a, of a job. And this is where, you know, to, to quote Ronald Reagan, you don't hear me do this often, but the best anti-poverty program is a job. And I amend it to saying a union job, not just some crummy Mick job, but an actual union job with good wages, good health care, good retirement security and opportunity for the future. Man, this is this is how we rebuild America. This is how we rebuild the most prosperous working class in the history of civilization, like our grandparents did. Well, by the way, did you completely not talking about unions, but how did you love Biden when he came on out there and he was asked, can we do two words? He said, we're the we're the strongest country the planet's ever produced. Of course we can. You know, there's a feeling with Biden that I get. That is, the American people are back and the country is back. And that's one of the things I do like about Biden here. It does. I also think there is a, an awakening coming. You and I in the past have talked about these unions who have supported Republicans. And you're like, you do understand they want to kill you, right? And yep. they don't care. I mean, as you said, they got convinced by social issues that that, that was more important than their job. And so in, in the age of Trump, they became romanticized by Trump. The reality is, is I think there's a awakening happening within a lot of these unions because they see the one side. I mean, here in Minnesota, where there's been the expansion, you talked about the union jobs back, the, the fact that smaller businesses are embracing unions. You're seeing union votes across the board. We had the doctors. Uh, it was an Alina Health just had all the doctors unionized. You know, so you yep. see this happening. The, the, the fact is, is that they're seeing that the Republicans – they're, they talk again, but they're not doing anything to help the unions. And it's good to see that waking up because nothing made me more mad than seeing unions support a Republican because those Republicans want to kill you. And that's just the truth. Not, not, just, not just Republicans not knowing how to or not helping. Uh, Republicans hate working people. Yes. I, I say it flat out. Uh, look at what they do. You know, I've been on the air 18 years and I've been asking people, show me, 
show me one piece of legislation that a Republican has proposed that solely helps working people. No pound of flesh for corporate America, no, no, no afterthoughts for, for, for working people, but one piece of legislation that benefited working people. I'm, I'm 18 years, nobody's taken me up on it, because there isn't anything. Again, Republicans hate working people. Look at what they do. And I wish that weren't true, because there used to be pro-union Republicans. Yes, there did. There used used to to be be. people you could depend on. Unbelievable. You you are right. I mean, I remember some of the most ardent pro-union people I knew were Republicans. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Uh, But here we are in this moment where, you know, the the sad reality is the Republican Party right now is adamantly opposed to to working people. Look at their policies. Massive tax cuts for the very wealthy. And look at what the, the only accomplishment of the Trump administration did to working people. A massive screw job. And look, the whole tax cut fetish that has come from the Reagan era forward. You know, the other day I was looking at the, uh, the Forbes list. You know, in 1982, the top guy, the richest guy in this country was worth $2 billion. Um, that's it, $2 billion, about $6.5 billion in today's. That's the richest guy in the country at the time in 1982. You go to 22, you, you, the richest guy in the world's worth $265 billion. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing to me that you see that the average, the median income for working people has continually gone down, while the, the wealth class, our, our, our upper crust, you know, our captains and titans of industry, they get wealthier and wealthier. And how? Because we're not taxing them. And they, they hoard very well. Now, remember what we were told. We'll give them all the money because they're smart. They know what to do with it, and it'll trickle down. Well, the reality is they are smart. They do know what to do with it. That's make more money for themselves, mm-hmm. not for you or me, not for us. In fact, we're, we're the marks. We're the ones who continually get ripped off. And this is, what, this is why, again, I think we're seeing all these strikes and all of this militancy because people have had enough. People are fed up, man. No, they, they absolutely are, and, it's, and, it's, and it is one of those things where – if if we don't start having the workers stand up for this right now, I mean, all we're doing when we give a millionaire a billionaire a tax cut nowadays is ensuring their great 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 grandkid never works a day in their life, and that's insanity. Yep. We should not be sacrificing the middle and lower class of this country for billionaires and stuff like that. So, just just wrapping this part up, I got one more question for you after this. That there's no way in the world that Dean Phillips, the Minnesota House Rep from Minnesota three. There's just you don't see any path for him to to win the Democratic knot, do you? In any capacity? Okay, good enough. That, there it is. Uh, you're you and I are simpatico, my brother. Uh, <laughs> just Dean, who? Well, you gotta you gotta win the unions, dude. You're not gonna win the unions yeah. against Biden. That's just not gonna happen. So, all right. Not happen. Since you're here. And since the U.S. House Republicans are, you know, basically going at it like Lauren Boebert at a Beetlejuice musical, uh, let's, uh, you know, you're at the, it sounds like now McHenry's out. That's just right before the show. The, the McHenry plan is now killed. Jim Jordan's going to run again for another yeah. vote here. Uh, they are just— Good luck. Yeah, they, they, they have no place to go at this point. No. And here's the thing. Do, honestly, uh, I don't really care because they weren't going to do anything before when they had a speaker— uh, they're they're not going to do anything now with a temporary speaker, yeah. and they're not going to do anything for working people with Jim Jordan as a speaker. So, you know, to be honest, there's a part of me that goes, don't care. Now, the part that does care is, look, there's some globally some problems. Uh, the president says he's going to he's going to be asking for money for Ukraine and for Israel. Uh, who's he going to ask? Because we don't have a functional house, 
And as anyone knows, even the eighth grade student who's learning civics for the first time, um, all, all, all money emanates out of the house. Uh, they control the purse strings. So if we've got nobody to go, hey, we need the money, I don't know what we do. And look, we're, we're ticking down to another, another you know, bill thing where we could be shutting down the government again just before Thanksgiving. I think it's November 17th. So we got lots of chaos in what the Republicans have shown us. And I think this is, I think this is the, the message out of this. I think Republicans have shown us is, one, they don't know how to govern, and two, they don't want to govern. They like being the minority party because it's easy. They can go do their podcasts and their Fox News and throw their bombs, uh, and they don't have to actually do anything. So I think this is just them saying, hey, we, we really don't want to govern. We're not a serious party. We just want to cause trouble. We want to be uh, the chaos merchants. We want to do right-wing talk radio in government. So I hope in November of next year the American people go to the polls and throw these bums into the minority and and – Hopefully, Democrats take over and move us forward. Hopefully, it's one of those like 1930, 1932 turnovers. We get that. I will say this. It is yeah. it's very disheartening to hear them brag about Jim Jordan because he's going to kill Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. And I'm like, okay, you clearly are not on the side of the people of the country. But that's just they're, – they're zealots, and they look but like – Again, thank goodness, thank goodness for Jelly Bucket Joe. <laughs> Uh, thank goodness for, for Joe Biden showing up with his jelly bucket, his veto pen in hand, even if they were to get something through. Uh, for me, that, uh, keep that guy right where he's at. Yeah. Uh, outstanding. Rick Smith, if you're not listening to the Rick Smith Show weeknights here, 8 to 10 o'clock in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you are just wrong. It is an exceptional broadcast. And if you are pro-union, that's where you just need to be every single night. Rick, as always, outstanding. You're always welcome on this show, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Matt. Keep it up, brother. Take care, my friend. Uh, Rick Smith, the Rick Smith Show. God, is he good. God, that was a good interview.